clutter takes up too much space in our homes, minds, time, and eventually our landfills. We live in a world that has shaped us into consumers on a planet that can't sustain the consumption. I am Steph McGuire, a professional organizer, and the Sort It Out Sustainably podcast is here for those who want to rebel from the consumerist culture and create a more intentional life surrounded by the things that you love and to let go of the things that you don't. If you're ready to get your home organized in a way that truly supports you and shift your relationship with stuff, that's what I'm here for. So let's get into it. There's been a lot of talk about racism in our society lately. I wanted to join the conversation with a type of racism that I have not heard being talked about, but it is so prevalent. This kind of racism is very much connected to our stuff. Yes, like physical stuff in our homes that we use in our lives. It's also connected to our planet and the ecosystems, and for those reasons, that's why it makes sense that I am talking about it. If you're new here, I'm a professional organizer and a decluttering geek with a passion for the environment and rebelling from our consumer culture. And this little chat about racism today is very connected to what I'm all about. And I just want to preface in saying that this is not a holier-than-thou call-out. I'm calling out myself here for being guilty for this kind of racism too. I'm totally a part of this problem too. And I hope that we can all have this discussion and work towards a future where these people just like us, dealing with basically human rights violations funded by us and other people like us, isn't happening. I'm still talking pretty vague and I'm sorry if you're confused, but I'm going to lay out this problem that I'm talking about in plain English in a way that makes sense, so just keep listening. So let's start with the definition of racism. A belief that race is a fundamental determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Deconstructing that, it is racist to value people differently based on their race. Now, how does that relate to stuff? In our world, the way that our economy and industries function relies very heavily on the resources of poorer countries to supply the richer countries. So countries like Australia, the US, the UK, places in Europe and other well-off countries are usually getting most of our stuff from other countries that are much poorer than us. At face value, there's nothing wrong with that. We are supporting their economies and providing jobs and all that. But it is the subsequential issues that can occur in these countries when they are put under the pressure to produce cheap goods. Let's look at the fashion industry for a second. Majority of clothing these days is what would be called fast fashion. You've probably heard the term before, it's kind of like fast food. Poor quality clothes being pumped into production as cheaply as possible. Companies focusing on selling quantity over quality. So some of the main producers of clothes that we wear are from Argentina, Bangladesh, China, Brazil, India, Turkey, Indonesia, the Philippines, and Vietnam. Garment workers regularly have to work long hours for little pay, and the majority of workers do not even earn a living wage. Besides the low pay, workers risk their health and lives working in toxic and physically unstable environments. Female garment workers in Bangladesh earn about $96 per month. 
Yes, you wouldn't expect them to be earning the same wages that we'd expect here in our economy, but the government's wage board in Bangladesh suggested that garment workers need 3.5 times that amount to live a decent life with basic facilities. A 2016 report into corporate leadership on modern slavery found that out of 71 leading retailers in the UK, 77% of those, there was a likelihood of modern slavery occurring at some stage in their supply chains. Now, we've all probably heard of this sort of thing before, and this is where the racism comes into it. Imagine hearing that out the back of Melbourne, there was a factory that was making 18-year-old women work from dusk till dawn in dirty, unsafe factories, and they're earning about a third of basic wages. There would be outrage, and a bunch of us would stand up and do something about it. Or at least, if we knew which companies are utilizing this kind of labor, we would not even think about buying from them. But the people who are going through this are in other countries, where they have a different race than us. And we probably unconsciously see those people as having different value than us. And it's not just because it's in another country. If we heard this was happening out the back of London or New York, we'd probably care more about that and boycott the company facilitating that too. And it's not just the fashion industry. Pretty much all the goods that you'll find at a major shopping centre are made in these poor countries. And yes, there are for sure people involved in the production of stuff in these countries that are being treated fairly, but my guess is that the majority is not favourable. Yet we turn a blind eye to this. Partly because it's not super public information about what's going on behind the scenes. And because no one else around us is seeming to care very much, we follow the status quo, and if no one else is making a big deal about it, then maybe it's not a big deal. But it kind of is. So the information about this is not super public about what's going on behind the scenes. It's not like you can go to a brand's website and see videos uploaded from the factories every day. The brands whose stuff is made in unethical situations don't take responsibility for it because they do not directly own the factories and directly employ the staff. They contract out the manufacturing. And we might view that as them palming off the responsibility because they were not directly inflicting the injustice. But honestly, that's what we as consumers are doing. We are at the end of the supply chains in the role as grand funders of it all. We are the ones providing the funds for the entire supply chain of the goods we purchase. In recent years, I've seen people on the internet posting a lot about feminism, anti-racism and climate change, and then the following week go on to post fast fashion hauls from Sheen or something like that. There are people in America tearing down statues of random dudes from history because they had slaves 200 years ago, while wearing clothes from brands who literally still use slavery. It's very similar to companies like Nike diversifying the skin color palette of its models and paid influencers to uphold the image of being a company that's fighting racism, but still taking advantage of racial inequality, exploiting workers in Asia for financial gain. Now, I want to provide a disclaimer that I'm not trying to blame and shame everyday people like you for all of this. When it's done out of pure naivety and you didn't even know those issues were connected to the stuff that you buy, then you haven't done anything wrong. It's when we hear about these things going on and then still engage our money into buying the stuff that's associated with the injustice. I'm guilty of this. I've known that this stuff has been going on for maybe like 10 years now. 
but I haven't 100% cut out buying goods from companies where I don't know whether it has been ethically made. Yes, I consume far less than the average person, but I still buy this stuff. And when I dig into why I allow that, there is racism behind my perspective. It's like people with different ethnicities from different places in seemingly a different world to me have a lesser worth in my subconscious mind. It feels vulnerable to admit that, but I'm doing it because I know pretty much everyone else in the society that I live in is the same. I'm not saying that we truly believe that to be true. It's a subconscious thing that we have absorbed from the world around us. It's like in our mind we think it's happening in countries far away beyond our control. But there's definitely a race element to it. Let me provide a hypothetical sort of um, situation to think about. Like if we were to hear that there was a company offering young Americans a working abroad opportunity and that they were actually trapping them into basically sweatshops in China, making goods shipped to Australia and sold in our big chain stores, we would be outraged. It would be in the news and people would be getting together and stopping it from happening. But if we heard about the exact same situation happening, but the people were trafficked from a different Asian country to another, the public outcry would be far less. And human trafficking into the manufacturing industry in Asia to make goods for the West is definitely happening. And we're buying those goods. Thinking about a hypothetical situation like that, where we take a real situation that's happening, but mentally replace the victim of the injustice with like an American person instead of an Asian person in our minds, we think about it differently. And that's where we can reflect on the way that our subconscious minds have been kind of programmed by this Western superiority complex. Yes, if we are talking about problems of inequality that are happening in other countries that are far removed from us, then yeah, you can definitely debate that there's not a lot that we can do about it and it's happening in another part of the world that is very difficult for us to do something about. But the thing is, when we're talking about manufacturing, we are the ones financing it. It's not some problem that's far away from us that we can't control. We're literally the ones financing it. So we live in a world of convenience. In the age of Amazon, we're used to being able to get any product that we want almost immediately. Stuff is incredibly cheap. It's too cheap. So where we see that stuff is too cheap, there is a hidden cost. And it's not costing us. It's costing the livelihoods of other humans in other parts of the world. And even in the same parts of the world. Amazon is well known for putting its warehouse and delivery drivers through hell and spitting them out. We are getting goods so cheap because the materials are basically worthless and the people who make them are being treated like they're worthless too. And it's not that the companies are purely evil wanting to exploit people carelessly. Much of the cause for this is the competitiveness of the retail markets. Consumers are always looking for the cheapest products and companies will outsource to the cheapest manufacturers. And often that means that they have young women working all day for a few bucks. So what's the solution? We need stuff. There's a bunch of stuff that we literally need. We can't walk around naked eating straight from the garden living in a house made out of twigs. And there's a lot of stuff that makes our life easier and more joyful. I'm not against stuff altogether. I like stuff and I love all the things that I own. And I appreciate other people having a joyful relationship with their stuff too. 
The end goal of rebelling from a consumerist culture that enslaves innocent people is to participate in a culture that is ethical and sustainable, making sure that all people, regardless of where they live or their ethnicity, gender or age, are treated with respect and opportunity. I'm going to spend the last part of this episode going over ways you and me, because as I said, we're in this together, can improve the impact that we have on people in our world in relationship to our stuff. The first thing and most important thing we can do is reduce what we buy, especially from mainstream retail providers. Yes, not all products are linked to unethical manufacturing but an overwhelming percentage of what we buy online or in stores is. Companies that treat their workers really well are often the outliers and use that as a selling point by being really transparent with the behind the scenes of their product production. If you can't find any info on who made a product, then there's a good chance that there could be reason to hide that. So assume possibly guilty until proven innocent. It would be unrealistic for me to tell you to stop buying things altogether. But what is realistic is to make an effort to increase your awareness of your purchasing habits, even if that starts with just awareness and no behavioral changes. When you're going to buy something, consider if it's actually going to add value to your life. If it's some random household item, another cute pair of shoes on sale, not much different to a pair you already own, or a gimmicky novelty item, chances it is not adding value to your life. Those kind of things are what gives you a dopamine hit at purchase and then accumulates as clutter. Reducing what we buy by becoming more intentional is so essential. The next thing would be just as powerful and that is to source stuff that is already in circulation. Using the circular economy, meaning secondhand stuff staying in the loop of reuse. That could be buying things off Facebook Marketplace for your home, going to secondhand fashion markets, dropping into op shops often, or if you're listening to this from America, thrift shops, and searching sites like Poshmark or Depop to replace online shopping. I believe that most items humanity needs, we already have enough of to last us years without making any more. People don't wear the majority of their clothes or use the majority of their stuff. On that topic, selling or giving away the stuff that you don't use is also helpful because it frees up more goods for the people who would use them without having to produce more of them. Other things that we can do is support businesses that are transparently caring for their workers. There are a bunch of medium-sized businesses that you can find online pretty easy and lots of small businesses specializing in a few products. Often these are more expensive because it is the true cost of stuff. Yeah, $100 for a dress seems a lot when you're used to paying $25. But when you're more intentional with what you buy, and it's better quality and will last longer too, you can get away with a wardrobe a quarter of the size, keeping your clothing budget the same. I keep talking about clothes, and that's because it's one of the most overconsumed types of items, and it's so easy. But what I'm talking about will apply to any type of stuff. And I know there are many people who are on a budget. And the idea of spending that price on ethical products is just not an option. So that's where the secondhand market is so useful. All of my furniture is secondhand, purchased for maybe like 20% of retail price, maybe even less. You can take a $50 note to a fashion market and come away with a whole haul of items that would have cost several hundred at the shops. And we do live in a world that makes it hard to be ethical all the time. 
buying from big brands and buying cheap stuff is going to happen. But making an intentional shift away from that is still going to make a huge impact. Like yesterday, I went to Kmart and bought some cheap shit. I made sure that it was actually stuff that I needed. Some extra socks for me and my son, which is incredibly hard and kind of weird to find secondhand, and some organizing gear for my kitchen that I will use for years to come. I did make one impulse buy, which was a mirror to hang near my door because we have no mirrors except the bathroom, and I keep leaving the house looking kind of homeless, so I've been thinking about getting one for a while. But honestly, I hadn't put any effort into finding one secondhand, and I could have totally waited. That being said, I could have easily loaded my trolley with so much shit that I didn't need, but I didn't. That's what shifting your consumer habits to be more intentional is all about. So the last thing that I want to speak about on the topic of what we can do to impact the problem of people suffering for the sake of our stuff is to talk about it, to be part of the wave of change. You don't need to go all activist on the issue, unless you want to. Making those changes in your own habits and decisions are great, but having an impact on those around you is even better. You don't have to lecture anyone or anything like that. All you have to do is plant seeds, metaphorically. You can do that by inviting your friends to a flea market on the weekend, or sharing little things on social media or in conversation. Like maybe when you buy a refurbished iPhone instead of buying a brand new one, Share about how you got what looks like and works like a brand new phone on the cheap and think that it's really cool that you can do that, especially after finding out that Apple is guilty of using forced labor in their factories. Things like sharing videos are a subtle way of spreading the message. And once you're getting the hang of those little changes in lifestyle, it will become really natural to slip in the odd thought-provoking comment into conversation because that will just be the way that you are. And when you are living a certain way, your values slip into the conversations that you have. So let's summarize everything that I've gone over in this episode super simply. The problem is that the overconsumptive culture of countries like this one relies on the blood, sweat and tears, literally all three, of people in poorer countries. What we can do about it is to become more conscious of our consumption of stuff and make a shift to supporting the circular economy as well as ethically produced goods. Buying less, buying better quality, and being more intentional so the stuff that we buy is stuff that adds value to our lives and our homes can become places of joy, not clutter. If you have had a perspective shift today, reach out to me. My Instagram DMs are always open and I love when I get you guys sliding me a message about an episode that I've made because it can feel like I'm just in my room talking to myself sometimes as a new podcaster. So yeah, it does mean a lot and I love answering any questions that you guys have on anything that you need help with too. Whether it's about things like being more ethical and sustainable or minimalism, decluttering or how you can organize some random part of your home, it's all welcome. I wish you the best rest of the day wherever you are and if you're subscribed I'll chat to you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to the entirety of this podcast episode. 
I love helping you create a life of more joy, more time, more sustainability, more simplicity, and more intentionality by inspiring you to live with less clutter, less stress, less mindless consumption, and less waste. I'm here to help, and if you click subscribe to this podcast, you should see a new episode about every week. I have a bunch of previous episodes that might help you, and a bunch more cooking. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, where I like to have fun with Instagram reels and pop in to chat on stories sometimes too. I also have some free tools that you can check out on my website. There'll be a link to my free downloadables in the description of this podcast episode. And if you're interested in completely revolutionizing your relationship with stuff by decluttering your entire home, then I have a program for that too. It's called Cut Clutter and Cultivate Joy. The waitlist for my whole house decluttering course is in the show notes of this episode, along with the freebies that I mentioned. I wish you the best day or night wherever you are. And if you're subscribed to the Sorted Out Sustainably podcast, I'll chat to you next week.